Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 17th day of February 2024. I'm your host, Mark Call, and I guess we'll start off our look at what's going on around the nation and the world this evening with a couple of stories that are certainly revealing, albeit in very much opposite ways. Let's start with the transparent crapola exuding from the waste-stream media about the admittedly tragic death of a political prisoner. No, not one of the many being held in the American gulags in the swamp. Not the J6 prisoners, not those that have turned whistleblower and had their lives ruined or worse. And not Seth Rich, of course, who was killed outright, never did make it to prison, evidently for having information that Hitlery and the Clinton crime family didn't want revealed before the 2016 election. This is a fellow who was tagged as a Russian opposition leader, Alexei Navalny, not to be confused with Peter Navarro, American opposition leader who they may still manage to kill in prison. He was in a Siberian prison serving a 19-year sentence for, does this sound familiar, extremism. And he fell ill after a walk and died. And now you know just one of the reasons why President Trump's fighting so hard not to end up in the American version of the same gulags. And ironically, the very same people who will call you a conspiracy theorist for citing any of the stories that I just mentioned in conjunction with it will say, this was definitely Putin's fault, no doubt about it, and no fear of contradiction. Can you see a pattern here yet? By the way, another story from the Daily Mail has a headline that says Biden blames Putin for Navalny's death, and he is looking into how to respond. What that means, of course, is that his puppet masters are going to pull his strings momentarily and put something on his teleprompter to try and read. But they note that, true to form, he suffered a brain freeze sick. I think, folks, for a brain to freeze, it has to at least first have thought once in a while. Mid-speech, as he attacked Trump for being the one that's really responsible here, he invited Russia to invade NATO allies, after all, and he ripped into Congress, too, for not passing the real issue, the real reason why all of this is front and center, 60 billion bucks more to secure Ukraine's border. And, of course, as you certainly know, for other wonderful purposes, too, while America's being invaded. Still, though, I have to admit, it's downright obscene to see how much press a Russian dissident is getting, while honest Americans rot in the January 6th gulags, and nobody seems to want to pay any attention at all to those four Americans that were killed in the process of making sure that the 2020 election was rigged and they got away with it. Shame on the lying press. Which leads me to the second story today, which is almost as disgusting. A federal court in the Biden Department of Justice and their criminal cover-up crew has unsealed a two-count indictment against a whistleblower. Russia, 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 it sounds like. No, Alexander Smirnov, a former FBI confidential human source who dared to turn whistleblower and rat out the presidential first criminal, who's far better than you and more deserving of protection, don't you know? Even though he gets away with crimes that arguably better people have already died in American gulags for. Special counsel sick David Weiss announced on Wednesday that Smirnov is facing two charges related to, are you sitting down, fabricating claims about the Bidenfuhrer and his sainted son Hunter. You know, the whore and crackhead who actually outed himself, as it turns out, by not being able to keep track of his laptops in a drunken drug stupor. The issue, says the piece from Red State, centers on the bribery scandal 
that came to light in July 2023, where Smirnoff accused the first crime family, the big guy and his son, of accepting bribes from Ukrainian energy company Burisma in exchange for clearing the way for that company to do business in America. Well, folks, or at least cover up bribes. The indictment alleges that Smirnoff, quote, provided false derogatory information about those people who you know cannot be touched in America with a K. Biden and his son, although the document refers to them, of course, as public official number one. Why don't they just call him big guy number one? And get this, Hunter they refer to as business person number one. How about cokehead number one or made man number one? This is disgusting. And listen to this. This is from the indictment. Despite repeated admonitions that he must provide truthful information to the FBI. Oh, yeah, isn't that what they do? And that he must not fabricate evidence. After all, that's their territory. The defendant provided false derogatory information to the FBI, it says, about public official number one, an elected official in the Biden regime who left office in January 2017. Guess who they're talking about? And business person number one, the son of public official number one, the big guy. And in 2020, after public official number one became a candidate and, of course, the designee to be installed in the Oval Orifice. And don't you dare blow the whistle on America's own Vladimir Putin. Smirnoff was arrested at Harry Reid International Airport. There's another disgusting misnomer in Las Vegas after arriving from overseas. I guess we better ask this next question in a hurry. I wonder if he'll even make it to the American version of the Siberian Gulag. Hey, I wonder if they'll watch his cell with Epstein's cameras. And the indictment, it says, dissects Smirnov's claims, pointing out all the ways in which they disagree with the official, oh, you had better believe it or else, narrative. How dare he suggest, for example, that both parties, big guy and big cokehead, both received payments in exchange for political protection. What do you bet that Smirnov would have been better off if he paid the same bribes to the same people? He wouldn't be doing what he's doing now, don't you know? Well, there's a message being sent here, folks, and if you haven't gotten what it is yet, you too may see the inside of a gulag and maybe end up wishing that you were as well-treated as Alexei Navalny. Well, from there, folks, let's take a look back at the rest of the week, probably best in chronological order, starting with the propaganda that is supposed to make you believe that there's nothing else in the entire world going on more important than the Super Bowl festivities, which evidently worked out right according to script, and if you followed it at all, you know what that means. The newly selected Biden Fuhrer chief spokeslayer got a big career boost and lots of TV time. Even the British propagandists like the Daily Mail are calling it the Taylor Bowl, L-V-I-I-I. Among other things, their headline, multiple headlines actually say, Taylor Swift spooches her boyfriend at the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory party in Las Vegas. Makes you wonder how long until the Muppet in Chief sniffs her hair. And since the attempt seems to be to associate failed far-leftist causes with manufactured celebrities, maybe it's important to point out why there's such a bum's rush to get it done right now. Says Steve Watson via Modernity News and also Zero Hedge, a new poll conducted by ABC News of all the three-letter fake news outlets. In the wake of what they admit is probably the worst week of a failed presidency so far, a whopping almost 90% of Americans believe that the biden Fuhrer puppet isn't fit to serve. And, of course, serve has never been the appropriate word in this guy's career, even before he became senile. Says the story, the poll conducted by ABC News slash Ipsos was carried out on Saturday after the so-called special counsel report describing Biden as, quote, an elderly man with poor memory. And after he ended up at a hastily called news conference, 
yelling at reporters for daring to ask questions about his obvious senility. The numbers, 86% of all Americans don't believe Biden is in good enough shape to serve another term. Give me a break. And this is telling a whopping 73%, just shy of three-quarters of Democrats even, think Biden is too old to serve, and 91% of independents feel that same way. And as you might suspect, the poll was carefully worded to avoid asking outright about outright senility. And the numbers don't seem to reflect exactly how many Republicans think that Biden is incompetent, but I suspect the answer is about 99.99% of them, with the singular exceptions being a few rhinos in the House and Senate. I did think the actual ABC News spin and packaging of the story was downright deceitful. They tried to claim in the headline that a majority of Americans think both Trump and Biden are too old to be president, ignoring the fact that there's a difference between being old and being non-compos mentis, incompetent. Watson's spin is nothing if not at least a bit more apropos. For example, he cites a CNN headline that says Obama strategist, colon, Biden's mental fitness is a problem. <laughs> you think? Meanwhile, says Watson, Biden yesterday took the time, instead of addressing mental incapacity, to post a 30-second Super Bowl PSA complaining about the size of ice cream packaging. At least some of the tweeters that responded saw through the gaslighting. Don't let the Biden fewer tell you that shrinkflation is the problem. Bidenflation is. Here's another story likely to get overlooked in the Super Bowl BS. Secretary of Defense, sick and traitor extraordinaire Lloyd Austin III, age 70, was admitted to the critical care unit at Walter Reed Medical Center on Sunday following what they claim are complications related to, this time, an emergent bladder issue amid his ongoing battle, they say, with prostate cancer. There are, as I'm sure you're aware, numerous conspiracy theories surrounding the man who made his bones by destroying the United States military via lethal injection, by forcing those who had half a brain out of the service because they knew better than to take the lethal injection and become guinea pigs for whatever it was Big Brother wanted to do to them, while those that didn't know any better took the poke and to a huge extent suffered the debilitating and too often deadly consequences. So the question arises, was Lloyd Austin actually stupid enough to obey his own order rather than just faking it with a saline injection? And if so, looks like he's suffering for it. I will note this again, folks, and throw out a brief thought experiment. If, in fact, Lloyd Austin is already dead, as a number of reports have suggested, in other words, the guy they trotted out wasn't the best example of a body double we've seen, how better to set that up than to put him or somebody back in the hospital for a while and then drop the final truth bomb? Don't forget, there were at least a few in the House that wanted to impeach him, too. Not for treason and poisoning the military like they should have a long time ago, but for dereliction of duty and going AWOL without bothering to even tell anybody where he went or <laughs> if he was still alive. Oh, yeah, and meanwhile, they're still saying his prognosis remains excellent and updates on the Secretary's condition will be provided as soon as possible, or at least whenever they feel like it. Here's an eyebrow razor and head scratcher that seems destined for a quick trip down the uh, memory hole for more than one reason, most of them painfully obvious. The Daily Mail, at least, is telling us this and providing pictures before they are finally expunged from the net. A transgender so-called female shooter, it's not really clear whether that means they started with an innie or an outie, who opened fire at the megachurch of Joel Osteen in Lakewood on Sunday, had Free Palestine written across her, no, his, but maybe they haven't quoted the preferred pronouns here yet for wannabe mass murders. AR-15, say officials. 
Well, at least this mental case, probably also taking mass murder and suicide drugs, knows what the preferred weapon of such is supposed to be. The shooter has been identified as Janice Yvonne Moreno, age 36, who previously went by the name Jeffrey and has, hey, say it with me, folks, a lengthy criminal record going back to at least 2005, including assault, drug possession, and forgery. The gender-confused man in drag entered the megachurch wearing a trench coat and a backpack and opened fire and was also reportedly spraying some type of, quote, substance on the ground, said police. He, she, it was dragging a five-year-old boy, too, shortly before she started firing, and two off-duty cops. Oops. See, failure to make sure it was a properly gun-free killing zone ended up shooting her dead. And, by the way, the child was also critically injured and isn't expected to survive, said the Houston Chronicle although the relationship to the uh, twisted shooter remains unclear. Odds are, folks, the boy was just an intended human shield, or maybe sacrifice. And would you believe, in spite of disqualifying factors like mental illness, this particularly evil wannabe mass murderer was able to buy the dreaded AR-15? Who could have thought it? How's that for the value of background checks? Maybe having an FBI handler is even more important. But any way you look at it, there's just too much about this story that doesn't fit the official narrative, so expect it to, uh, well, if it hasn't already, be disappeared. From the invasion front, hordes of illegal immigrants are seen traveling now out of Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport on red-eye flights last week. Some airline employees are sick and tired of it, fed up with the Biden border invasion after more than 10 million illegals have not only been let into the country, but given free everything, including transportation to meet up with their cells and military units at the expense of what were once free Americans. One Border Patrol agent at Lukeville, Arizona, told the Gateway Pundit that illegals from all over the world turn themselves in at the ports of entry because they know they're going to get a free pass, in more ways than one, on Biden's invitation. Quote, it doesn't matter, said the agent, because then they're transported to housing facilities operated by globalist nonprofits like Catholic Community Services Casa Alitas in Arizona, after which they're taken to bus terminals and airports and flown all over the country to, uh, well, do whatever it is that they came here to do. While they don't have to worry about court dates because they're years out in the future. And you know what a joke those circuses are already. This next item looks like a related story. It comes from Michael Snyder via the Economic Collapse blog. And it's about the next big thing, or maybe it's the current big thing already, and that seems to be his point. Squatters, he writes, are taking over homes all over the nation, literally on an industrial scale, and turning them into dens of crime. Yep, squatting's always been a problem, especially in certain particularly cesspool parts of the nation, but now it's happening at an industrial scale all over the country. Thanks to online listings, it's now easier than ever to identify properties that are vacant. And many states have laws, or what now passes for them, that make it exceedingly difficult to get squatters out once they manage to get in. In some cases, he says, squatters are able to live rent-free in beautiful homes, at least they were at one point, for months or even years, which is becoming an absolutely massive problem, especially in certain areas of the country. For example, it's been reported that squatters have taken over about 1,200 homes in the Atlanta area alone. They are, quote, ruining entire neighborhoods in Atlanta and trying to get police to evict Evict the squatters is taking so long that some homeowners have taken to paying the nuisances to leave. Brazen squatters even opened an illegal strip club on a property they had taken over, one of the 1,200 homes that have been squatted on in the city, according to the National Rental Home Council trade group. Said Mark Urbanski, who manages a home cleaning company to Bloomberg, I'd be terrified in Atlanta to try to lease out one of my properties. 
and says, Snyder, there's no way in the world I'd want to own a rental property in that city, and I can't help but think, or in any other blue cesspool city. Furthermore, he says, if you can believe it, there's even a company that's been running ads on socialist media platforms offering to find squatters' homes in Atlanta for a fee. Anybody care to place a bet on how long it'll be until that's a new Biden cabinet position? It is, after all, basically what communism is about. And here's what the Instagram account of the uh, wannabe criminal aiders and abettors says. One-time payment homes. The site makes it clear that all of these are intended to be squatter homes, and it spells out just what that means. Quote, the company's owners will come out, so will the police. The police will tell you there's nothing they can do about it. Squatters' rights. And one-time payment homes has actually been running a new New Year's special of late, saying, quote, 1400 bucks will get you the keys to a squatter home so you can stack money and turn your life around. But that, writes Michael Snyder, is America 2024. And, of course, it isn't just Atlanta where squatting has become such a widespread issue. In the communist state of Washington, squatters have now taken over an entire apartment complex and turned it into a den of crime. Families and people handling the property are beyond frustrated. And the problems are at the Sherwood Park Apartments. Police say the situation has also attracted a whole lot of criminal activity and now officers regular patrol the area because of all the problems. Most of the units in the complex are now covered in plywood. It's bad, said Angel, a resident at the apartments. The cops are here 24-7 every day, every night. I keep my kids inside. I don't let them out. And thanks to the absurd laws in that state, writes Michael Snyder, you can bet it isn't going to be easy to get those squatters out. Oh yeah, and let's not forget the People's Republic of California, thank you Gruesome Newsome et al., which also has ridiculous so-called laws, and right now, quote, a very sophisticated criminal ring of squatters is making a ton of money from just one Beverly Hills mansion that they famously occupied. It was seized by the court and then allowed to turn into a wild party house taken over by squatters who are profiting off regular ragers that are driving the neighborhood nuts. The Mediterranean estate at 1316 Beverly Grove, listed for four and a half million bucks, has been occupied by, quote, a very sophisticated criminal ring of squatters, said the home's listing agent to Los Angeles magazines, and he believes they're earning upwards of 30 grand a month renting rooms and hosting huge house parties with $100 entry fees. That sort of thing, says Snyder's happening all over the nation, but the worst problems are, guess where? In the blue states with laws that are very favorable to criminal elements wanting to come in and take over. And especially when you realize that there are 10,000 more a day, and they're all criminals by definition, or they wouldn't be invading the country, that are looking for places to live, and finding that lots and lots of these places are, well, right there in their wheelhouse. Every single day, says Snyder, predatory squatters are scanning the online listings in order to identify their next targets. And it's even gotten easier for the squatters to find homes to move into. Because online listings and virtual realtors allow squatters to find vacant addresses and gain access by booking fake appointments. Some innocent folks might not even know that these squatters are also scam artists and can set up fake listings for empty properties and fake lease arrangements. And once the squatter's in, as you can guess, in a communist regime, it's especially hard to get them out. It can take three months to get a court hearing for an eviction and another three months to get a deputy or marshal to come clear out the home. And in the meanwhile, you can pretty well guess the home is trashed and it's getting worse every year. Meanwhile, though, it's also getting harder and harder for people trying to do things the right way. And in recent years, thanks to Biden inflation, rental prices have skyrocketed to absolutely insane levels. And the story quotes a single mom, Caitlin Colbert, 
who watched the rent for her two-bedroom apartment in Denver, first double, then triple, and then quadruple over a single decade in Denver, from 750 bucks a month to 3374 bucks each and every month as of last year. And the worse that housing affordability becomes, concludes this piece, you can guess the more people are going to be tempted to engage in squatting, especially if they've already got a house and the rents are going up dramatically. Why not? After all, that's what communism is all about. Those evil landlords deserve what they get. Everybody else is doing it. So what else? You can pretty well set your watch by it, right? Lawlessness abounds. I can't help but think as I'm looking at this piece that there's another hidden agenda here as well. We've seen very similar things happening in the commercial real estate market. It was destroyed by easy money and pandemic lockdowns that destroyed the retail industry. And then along with it, the desirability of downtown properties for offices and restaurants and the like. The subsequent vicious circle of rampant crime pretty much finished them off. Now they're doing the very same thing to the residential property rental market. And ultimately, again, as intended, the end of the American dream of the single-family home to boot. Because who are we kidding? You'd have to be absolutely insane to want to be a landlord in most of these uh, cesspool cities. They're going to come steal your property anyway, and if the almighty state doesn't, the people that they invite in across the non-existent borders will. What does that really mean, folks? Think about it. Once the masses figure out what's being done to the home market, it will collapse, especially in those cesspools. And by the way, concludes this piece, if you need to leave your home vacant for a while, like, say, a long vacation, maybe you might want to reconsider or at least lock it up very tight, have somebody look it over very carefully and uh, don't let anybody know you're gone because there are plenty of squatters that would just love to invade and take over while you're conveniently out of the picture. And guess what, folks? It's only going to get worse. I'll start to wrap things up today with some interesting observations courtesy of Jim Quinn and the Burning Platform and a piece entitled, Beware of the Philanthropaths. Yeah, he says it's a great new word, even though it's made up. A philanthropath is a psychopath masquerading as a philanthropist. And there's probably no better example on the planet than the evil psychopath and philanthropath Bill Gates. Mr. Genocide by Vaccine and his Gates Foundation. Bill Gates, Soros, Bloomberg, and the Clinton crime family represent the ultimate evil forces in this world, he says, using their wealth, power, and control of the regime media to push their agenda of chaos, death, destruction, and, of course, depopulation. And they all use their so-called charitable foundations as a means to their evil ends while being portrayed by the media that they control and have bought off as generous philanthropists, improving the lives of the poor and downtrodden, short as they may end up being. It's all a ruse, he noted, easily revealed to anyone willing to just dig a bit below the surface of these Potemkin foundations. Bill Gates, for example, has openly articulated his belief the world needs billions and billions less people. Everything he does, supports, funds, and actively promotes is about achieving this psychotic death wish for those he considers to be useless eaters. Gates, as you hopefully know, funded Event 201 in October 2019, laying out the master plan for the COVID pandemic, while at the same time funding the two-part bioweapon, the vaccines, for a disease that supposedly didn't even yet exist. The psychopath was front and center in pushing billions across the globe to be injected with the untested toxic DNA-altering Cyclone B concoction. 
And it's now unequivocally provable that these vaccines have killed millions immediately, millions more slowly and methodically, and millions more, of course, still to go, and stop millions more from ever being born by drastically altering or destroying the fertility of young people who actually had zero risk from COVID to begin with, but were forced to be injected by the authorities and their bought-off lackeys. This cycle also funded the introduction of GMO'd mosquitoes into the wild, and suddenly cases of malaria have risen, who could have thought it, and this mental defective has also funded fake chemically produced meat while buying up farmland across the country with no intention of actually farming. It's about making you eat bugs, as you know. He funds new so-called vaccines using Africans as his guinea pigs and funds geoengineering too, a.k.a. chemtrails, to block the sun and literally terraform the earth into something less and less human habitable because his high school degree makes him not only a vaccine expert but a climate expert too. Onto the evil psychopath Soros, who, as you probably recall, made his billions manipulating financial markets through insider information and now fancies himself as the ultimate puppet master of politicians, media, and NGOs across the globe. And he's single-handedly most responsible for the destruction, ongoing, of America and most of the Western world, transporting millions upon millions of invaders to our southern border and other Western countries as well. Europe's a basket case. He's bought off and owned DAs in every urban cesspool city in America who refuse to enforce the law, encourage crime, and purposefully destroy these cities that they were supposed to be put in place to protect. Yeah, he says, I could go on with the Bloombergs and the Clinton crime family, but that gets repetitive and you know it anyway. Just remember and understand how truly evil these people that are open servants of Satan actually are. And we'll be right back after this. Did you write the book of love and do you have faith in God above if the Bible tells you so? Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am again your host, Mark Call, and let's pick this one up with some news from way too late. Exactly one week after a failed and ultimately even disgusting attempt, the House has finally impeached the traitorous Homeland Security Secretary, what a misnomer, Alejandro Mayorkas, under whose tenure, notes the Zero Hedge summary, more than 10 million illegal invaders and migrants have entered the U.S., doubling the existing population thereof. When it comes to military-aged males, of course, I think the real figure and ratio is far higher than that. And with a barely squeak-through vote of 214 to 213, lots of traitors in the House, as you know, Mayorkas is the first sitting cabinet official to be impeached since the 1870s, and certainly the most deserving. The New York Post coverage of the historic but arguably way too little, way too late event includes two articles of impeachment against the so-called border enforcement officer. And right there is reason for impeachment enough on charges of part A, willful and systemic refusal to comply with federal law, not to mention the Constitution. He took an oath to that, don't you know? And what an irony there. And lying to Congress about the border being secure while they were, in fact, encouraging, enabling and even paying invaders to come on in. And before we do the rest of the impeachment story itself, let's fill in a bit more of the background. He appeared on Meet the Depressed over the weekend and had these particularly evil lies to try to spread around. Take a listen. And yeah, I'm not going to play all of it. It's too self-serving. Let me just ask you, though, big picture. 
You have now been in your position for three years, and let's talk about what's happened during those three years. More migrants have crossed the border illegally last year than ever before. The asylum cases backlog has more than tripled since 2019. You yourself have said that more than 85% of migrants caught crossing the border illegally are being released into the U.S. as they await their court dates. Let's just put impeachment aside for a minute. Why do you deserve to keep your job, Mr. Secretary? Kristen, the, um, the, the data that you cite is a powerful example of why we need legislation to fix what everyone agrees is a broken immigration system. Full stop. Anybody who's not a traitor should know this by now. The broken immigration system is what they've been taking advantage of. And what their so-called legislation would do is make it permanent and allow them to keep doing it and claim that it's legal and prevent any states that know better and can actually read the Constitution from even trying to shut it down. Oh, yeah, and the usual BS follows. It's our predecessor's fault. All we're doing is taking advantage of what they did, building on that basis and multiplying the effects, of course. I remember when I entered the Department of Homeland Security in 2009, we were wrestling with these very same issues. The system has not been fixed for 30 years. And I made my bones making sure that it isn't going to be. And that's how I got to the position that I am today. But here comes the true Hitlerian scale big lie. A bipartisan group of senators have now presented us with the tools and resources we need to finish this country off once and for good. Bipartisan group, and yet um, Congress killed it before even reading it. So there's at least enough of them that have figured it out to know when to say hell no to treason. No doubt there is gridlock on Congress, but do you bear responsibility for what is happening at the border, what the president himself has called a crisis? It certainly is a crisis, and we don't bear responsibility for a broken system, and we're doing a tremendous amount within that broken system. We're taking advantage of it to bring in invading armies, literally, folks, by the millions. But fundamentally, fundamentally, Congress is the only one who can fix it. And that is as close as he got to the truth, given, of course, we have a traitor in the White House. That's not going to happen. And about the only thing that Congress can do at this point, besides saying hell no to everything that this administration continues to pull, is impeach this guy and then do what the Constitution says they should never have allowed to happen to begin with. Stop the invasion cold and then go about convicting these people of the treason that they've been getting away with. And I don't think this can be emphasized too much. If we can't impeach traitors for literal treason right there in front of your face thousands of times daily even there's no point in having an impeachment clause or for that matter a constitution at all and guess what we don't mayorkas as you hopefully know even toured the camps near the darien gap in panama where the u.s is funding roads bridges and all kinds of infrastructure to support the continued invasion from all over the world including from communist china it's considered a foregone conclusion that traitors in the Senate will not convict anybody of any crime unless perhaps their name is Trump or they wear a red MAGA hat. But still, notes the New York Post, there are at least a few Republicans in the Senate, which is responsible for handling the trial, that are vowing to make the case for removal because it's so blatantly and incredibly obvious. Nevertheless, quote, there will absolutely be many, said a GOP aide to the Post, who believe this case merits removal from office, gee, do you think, and will actually vote accordingly. But he said since Democrats control the chamber, it's virtually certain that the vote will fail if, that is, Chucky Schumer, anti-constitutionalist and traitor from New York, even allows it to happen in the first place. The aide went on to note that there's never in American history been an impeachment where the Senate has simply refused to vote on the matter, he said.
So if Schumer kills it procedurally without a vote, that in fact would be unprecedented. But of course, folks, so is the treason that we're seeing writ so large in the swamp. And they still take you for fools by blathering about the Constitution as if they weren't gang-raping it to death daily. By the way, while we're kind of on the subject, the walking, talking, traitorous Chucky doll from New York told reporters Tuesday, I think he really thinks people are this stupid, that Biden's mental acuity is, as he put it, great. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. And he said the following, and I will quote if I can get through it without gagging. I talked to the Biden Fuhrer, and he didn't put it right there, you know, regularly. He said, usually several times in a week, his mental acuity is great. It's fine. It's as good as it's been over the years. (laughs) Unquote. And that, at least, comes closer to the truth than the great big stinking lie that he's not clearly senile and mentally incompetent. But if I even tried to give this scumbag the benefit of the doubt, at least on that score, he's a bit right. He's been that way for years. And when it comes to what this traitor thinks is most important, Biden is almost as much of a Constitution hater as Chucky. And perhaps that's what he's referring to here, because that at least hasn't changed. But when it comes to the big lie, it's clear that Chucky hasn't changed, because he called any doubts about Biden's senility, or uh, lack thereof, quote, right-wing propaganda. But at this point, folks, for the final word regarding the liars in the Senate, I turn to famous liberal and constitutionalist professor Jonathan Turley, formerly of Harvard, who, quoting a recent survey, put it this way. Polling shows that 86% of the public now views Biden as too old, and I'll add one word here, certainly too senile, to serve sick as president. But by point of comparison, Turley goes on to note, only 82% of the public can agree that the earth is round. And as more than a few people have noted, the Biden fewer's mental problems are not improving with age. Oh, yeah, and also a couple of quick related items, one way or another, from the New York Post piece. Newly surfaced email, it says, allegedly helps prove that Biden was in fact, and we knew this, in business with yet another Beijing-linked firm this time, while Joe was still leveraging his position as VP. And another story notes that an ex-Biden business associate says that China successfully sought, and we knew this too, to infiltrate and compromise the White Whorehouse, and that Biden in fact enabled, his word, CCP-linked transactions. Tell me something we didn't know, but that the press isn't still lying about. Part of the late to the party rush to impeach the traitorous Mayorkas before the House of Representatives went even more traitorous itself had to do with a special election for New York's 3rd Congressional District, where you may recall rhinos removed Representative George Santos, who was never actually convicted of a crime, but was indicted in an unprecedented move by the so-called House Ethics Committee, what a joke, led by rhinos. And if you think I'm kidding in the least, consider the kinds of scumbags that are still sitting in the House that haven't been indicted by House Ethics Committee, including Eric Swalwell, the compromised bang-bang with fang-fang traitor who still sits on the House Intelligence Committee, for crying out loud, instead of a jail cell. And let's not forget actual criminal from, where else, New York, Jamal Bowman, who was merely censored by the House, a little teeny slap on the wrist, for the crime, if anybody else had actually done it, of impeding a House proceeding by pulling a fire alarm while there was a vote going on that he didn't want to happen. You can probably name some patriots still in the federal gulag from January 6th for far, far, far less than actually non-criminal alleged trespasses. So George Santos clearly looks more like Patrick Henry than Benedict Arnold compared to these scumbags who probably wouldn't even know who those folks are anyway. Perhaps knows TGP's coverage because George Santos was a confirmed conservative voting representative with a 100% rating from Heritage Action. 
and that. That, of course, put him out of touch with the New York so-called GOP and out of the House so that they could enable what just happened to happen. The New York rhinos picked what else? Another rhino to try to replace Santos, knowing full well that either way it would end up being a disaster. And, of course, it was. The race has been called, said all the reports by Wednesday morning, and outright communist Tom Swosey won in the special election for the U.S. House seat there in New York to fill George Santos' spot with another leftist traitor. They picked another left-leaning rhino to pretend to be a Republican with a very questionable past. And as a matter of fact, what history there is ever shows she was a registered Democrat. Maisie Melissa Pillup endorsed for her anti-Trump stance and the subject of scrutiny due to her obscure past, certainly as a registered Democrat, who wouldn't even say who she voted for in 2020. And uh, unclear background details, for example, her birthday isn't even known, not even her birth year, say some sources, so it's impossible to do much checking on her, but that at least fits the pattern. And she was able to sandbag the seat to the socialists, losing a genuine Republican seat in a very leftist state by a literal landslide. Following the humiliating loss for any kind of a constitutional republic, George Santos himself issued this statement saying that I won New York's third with zero super PAC money, zero CLF money, and zero establishment money. And tonight, the establishment set 10 million bucks on fire. I flipped, he said, a 23-year blue seat with the help of grassroots activists and by activating the base with retail politics. And as a result, he said, because New York 3 is MAGA country, and since MAGA was disrespected, MAGA stayed home. For his part, the actually elected President Trump issued what the Gateway Pundit called a scathing response to Pillip's defeat. He called her a foolish choice by the New York State Party to begin with suggesting her failure to fully embrace him, she was anti-Trump, of course, as well as the MAGA movement, led to a lack of enthusiasm, to put it mildly, among Republican voters. And he put it this way, quote, Republicans just don't learn. But maybe she was still a Democrat. And isn't this interesting, folks? I guess it proves one thing. The establishment doesn't actually have to rig the election if they just throw it to begin with. Oh, yeah. And while we're at it, one more case in point that also helped prove why the 17th Amendment was such a disaster and helped to destroy what was left then in 1913 of the Constitution for these United States. Recall the latest Senate sellout, 95 plus billion bucks for aid to anybody except the United States and the foreign invasion from the South. Passed while most Americans say every bit of coverage I've seen were fast asleep or were watching the uh, Super Bowl. And that, too, speaks volumes. The final vote was 70 to 29, with 22 different rhino sellouts voting to, uh, well, to put it charitably, put America last. One of the most notorious was Mitch McConnell's sidekick, Texas Senator Sick John Cornyn, who was blasted by a number of people, including the Texas Attorney General himself impeached for daring to defend the Constitution and the borders because of his inexcusable vote. His act of treason is the proper way to put it, folks, to send American taxpayer dollars to foreign sinkholes while the country was being invaded. An American update on the idea of Nero's fiddling while Rome burns. Wrote Ken Paxton, this is a question all Texans should be asking. Unbelievable that John Cornyn would stay up all night to defend the borders of other countries, but not America's. Well, without question, it certainly clarifies their priorities. Here's another interesting sign of the time story. Sometimes, folks, it's difficult to know whether the tip of the woke spear is the left coast or maybe no longer Great Britain, which, says Infowars, has just come out and labeled various famous authors in their history, which they're attempting to expunge, like George Orwell, Aldous Huxley, and William Shakespeare, extremists. 
because there is English literature out there, at least for now, that might end up serving as potential triggers for what they now call right-wing extremism. Maybe it's a good thing that books like Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451 weren't written by Brits. Meanwhile, though, hopefully there's at least a few of us Americans that still have copies of books like 1984, Julius Caesar, and Hamlet. Are we at least beginning to understand what the scale and scope of this war really is? This next item looks like a related story. It comes from Michael Snyder via the Economic Collapse blog, and it's about the next big thing, or maybe it's the current big thing already, and that seems to be his point. Squatters, he writes, are taking over homes all over the nation, literally on an industrial scale, and turning them into dens of crime. Yep, squatting's always been a problem, especially in certain particularly cesspool parts of the nation, but now it's happening at an industrial scale all over the country. Thanks to online listings, it's now easier than ever to identify properties that are vacant. And many states have laws, or what now passes for them, that make it exceedingly difficult to get squatters out once they manage to get in. In some cases, he says, squatters are able to live rent-free in beautiful homes, at least they were at one point, for months or even years, which is becoming an absolutely massive problem, especially in certain areas of the country. For example, it's been reported that squatters have taken over about 1,200 homes in the Atlanta area alone. They are, quote, ruining entire neighborhoods in Atlanta and trying to get police to evict Evict the squatters is taking so long that some homeowners have taken to paying the nuisances to leave. Brazen squatters even opened an illegal strip club on a property they had taken over, one of the 1,200 homes that have been squatted on in the city, according to the National Rental Home Council trade group. Said Mark Urbanski, who manages a home cleaning company to Bloomberg, I'd be terrified in Atlanta to try to lease out one of my properties. And says Snyder, there's no way in the world I'd want to own a rental property in that city, and I can't help but think, or in any other blue cesspool city. Furthermore, he says, if you can believe it, there's even a company that's been running ads on socialist media platforms offering to find squatters' homes in Atlanta for a fee. Anybody care to place a bet on how long it'll be until that's a new Biden cabinet position? It is, after all, basically what communism is about. And here's what the Instagram account of the uh, wannabe criminal aiders and abettors says. One-time payment homes. The site makes it clear that all of these are intended to be squatter homes, and it spells out just what that means. Quote, the company's owners will come out, so will the police. The police will tell you there's nothing they can do about it. Squatters' rights. And one-time payment homes has actually been running a new New Year's special of late, saying, quote, 1400 bucks will get you the keys to a squatter home so you can stack money and turn your life around. But that, writes Michael Snyder, is America 2024. And, of course, it isn't just Atlanta where squatting has become such a widespread issue. In the communist state of Washington, squatters have now taken over an entire apartment complex and turned it into a den of crime. Families and people handling the property are beyond frustrated. And the problems are at the Sherwood Park Apartments. Police say the situation has also attracted a whole lot of criminal activity. And now officers regular patrol the area because of all the problems. Most of the units in the complex are now covered in plywood. It's bad, said Angel, a resident at the apartments. The cops are here 24-7, every day, every night. I keep my kids inside. I don't let them out. And thanks to the absurd laws in that state, writes Michael Snyder, you can bet it isn't going to be easy to get those squatters out. Oh yeah, and let's not forget the People's Republic of California, thank you, Gruesome Newsome et al., which also has ridiculous so-called laws, and right now, quote, a very sophisticated criminal ring of squatters is making a ton of money from just one Beverly Hills mansion that they famously occupied. 
It was seized by the court and then allowed to turn into a wild party house taken over by squatters who are profiting off regular ragers that are driving the neighborhood nuts. The Mediterranean estate at 1316 Beverly Grove, listed for four and a half million bucks, has been occupied by, quote, a very sophisticated criminal ring of squatters, said the home's listing agent to Los Angeles magazines, and he believes they're earning upwards of 30 grand a month renting rooms and hosting huge house parties with $100 entry fees. That sort of thing says Snyder's happening all over the nation, but the worst problems are, guess where, in the blue states with laws that are very favorable to criminal elements wanting to come in and take over, and especially when you realize that there are 10,000 more a day, and they're all criminals by definition or they wouldn't be invading the country, that are looking for places to live and finding that lots and lots of these places are, well, right there in their wheelhouse. Every single day, says Snyder, predatory squatters are scanning the online listings in order to identify their next targets. And it's even gotten easier for the squatters to find homes to move into. Because online listings and virtual realtors allow squatters to find vacant addresses and gain access by booking fake appointments. Some innocent folks might not even know that these squatters are also scam artists and can set up fake listings for empty properties and fake lease arrangements. And once the squatter's in, as you can guess, in a communist regime, it's especially hard to get them out. It can take three months to get a court hearing for an eviction and another three months to get a deputy or marshal to come clear out the home. And in the meanwhile, you can pretty well guess the home is trashed and it's getting worse every year. Meanwhile, though, it's also getting harder and harder for people trying to do things the right way. And in recent years, thanks to Biden inflation, rental prices have skyrocketed to absolutely insane levels. And the story quotes a single mom, Caitlin Colbert, who watched the rent for her two-bedroom apartment in Denver first double, then triple, and then quadruple over a single decade in Denver, from 750 bucks a month to 3,374 bucks each and every month as of last year. And the worse that housing affordability becomes, concludes this piece, you can guess the more people are going to be tempted to engage in squatting, especially if they've already got a house and the rents are going up dramatically. Why not? After all, that's what communism is all about. Those evil landlords deserve what they get. Everybody else is doing it. So what else? You can pretty well set your watch by it, right? Lawlessness abounds. I can't help but think as I'm looking at this piece that there's another hidden agenda here as well. We've seen very similar things happening in the commercial real estate market. It was destroyed by easy money and pandemic lockdowns that destroyed the retail industry and then along with it, the desirability of downtown properties for offices and restaurants and the like. The subsequent vicious circle of rampant crime pretty much finished them off. Now they're doing the very same thing to the residential property rental market. And ultimately, again as intended, the end of the American dream of the single-family home to boot. Because who are we kidding? You'd have to be absolutely insane to want to be a landlord in most of these uh, cesspool cities. They're going to come steal your property anyway, and if the almighty state doesn't, the people that they invite in across the non-existent borders will. What does that really mean, folks? Think about it. Once the masses figure out what's being done to the home market, it will collapse, especially in those cesspools. And by the way, concludes this piece, if you need to leave your home vacant for a while, like, say, a long vacation, maybe you might want to reconsider or at least lock it up very tight, have somebody look it over very carefully and don't let anybody know you're gone because there are plenty of squatters that would just love to invade and take over while you're conveniently out of the picture. And guess what, folks? It's only going to get worse. I'll start to wrap things up today with some interesting observations courtesy of Jim Quinn and the Burning Platform and a piece entitled, Beware of the Philanthropaths. 
Yeah, he says, it's a great new word, even though it's made up. A philanthropath is a psychopath masquerading as a philanthropist. And there's probably no better example on the planet than the evil psychopath and philanthropath Bill Gates. Mr. Genocide by Vaccine and his Gates Foundation. Bill Gates, Soros, Bloomberg, and the Clinton crime family represent the ultimate evil forces in this world, he says, using their wealth, power, and control of the regime media to push their agenda of chaos, death, destruction, and, of course, depopulation. And they all use their so-called charitable foundations as a means to their evil ends while being portrayed by the media that they control and have bought off as generous philanthropists, improving the lives of the poor and downtrodden, short as they may end up being. It's all a ruse, he noted, easily revealed to anyone willing to just dig a bit below the surface of these Potemkin foundations. Bill Gates, for example, has openly articulated his belief the world needs billions and billions less people. Everything he does, supports, funds, and actively promotes is about achieving this psychotic death wish for those he considers to be useless eaters. Gates, as you hopefully know, funded Event 201 in October 2019, laying out the master plan for the COVID pandemic, while at the same time funding the two-part bioweapon, the vaccines, for a disease that supposedly didn't even yet exist. The psychopath was front and center in pushing billions across the globe to be injected with the untested toxic DNA-altering Zyklon B concoction. And it's now unequivocally provable that these vaccines have killed millions immediately, millions more slowly and methodically, and millions more, of course, still to go, and stop millions more from ever being born by drastically altering or destroying the fertility of young people who actually had zero risk from COVID to begin with, but were forced to be injected by the authorities and their bought-off lackeys. The psycho also funded the introduction of GMO'd mosquitoes into the wild, and suddenly cases of malaria have risen, who could have thought it, and this mental defective is also funded fake chemically produced meat while buying up farmland across the country with no intention of actually farming. It's about making you eat bugs, as you know. He funds new so-called vaccines using Africans as his guinea pigs and funds geoengineering too, a.k.a. chemtrails, to block the sun and literally terraform the earth into something less and less human habitable because his high school degree makes him not only a vaccine expert but a climate expert too. On to the evil psychopath Soros, who, as you probably recall, made his billions manipulating financial markets through insider information and now fancies himself as the ultimate puppet master of politicians, media, and NGOs across the globe. And he's single-handedly most responsible for the destruction, ongoing, of America and most of the Western world, transporting millions upon millions of invaders to our southern border and other Western countries as well. Europe's a basket case. He's bought off and owned DAs in every urban cesspool city in America who refuse to enforce the law, encourage crime, and purposefully destroy these cities that they were supposed to be put in place to protect. Yeah, he says, I could go on with the Bloombergs and the Clinton crime family, but that gets repetitive and you know it anyway. Just remember and understand how truly evil these people that are open servants of Satan actually are.